The Ozone. Welcome to The Ozone Podcast, presented by ViStar Credit Union, featuring Jaguar senior writer John Hosier and executive producer Dave DeCandis. This week's guest, I'm excited about talking to him. Jaguars fans obviously know former Jaguars quarterback Mark Brunel. We're going to talk some about Gardner Minshew. We're going to talk some about his life in Jacksonville now and some of the changes around the league since he played. So without further ado, former Jaguars quarterback, 95 to 2003, Mark Brunel. You're a longtime presence with the organization as well as in the community now, the coach at Episcopal, at, at the Episcopal School of Jacksonville. I have to say that right because, Mark, when I went there, it was J-E-H-S, baby, Jacksonville Episcopal High School. But that's a long time ago, well before your time. And Mark, as I was sort of preparing for this, I laughed because I thought, you we shoot this on a Wednesday. 25 years ago, if this had been a Wednesday, and I had said, hey, Mark, I need some time from you. I'd have gotten a very specific anti-reporter, anti-John Osier look. Boy, how times have changed in 25 years, huh? <laughs> You know what? It, back then, you would have asked me to go on a Zoom. Now I'm asking you if I can go on your your podcast. You know, <laughs> that's right. Your Zoom that's podcast. Right. So, no, I'm happy to be on with you, John. Always a pleasure. No, no, I appreciate it. And uh, as I think most people know, you're the coach uh, at Episcopal. And what I'm curious about to start, we'll get into the Jaguars and some Gardner Minshew talk a little bit later. But did you envision yourself? We've talked about this a little before. I don't think you really thought when you were playing that you would wind up as a high school coach and from our conversations over the years, really enjoying it. Like you, you sort of found a niche that you really like, haven't you? Yeah, I have John. And, and you know, my dad was a, was a teacher and a coach, athletic director at the high school level. And it's interesting if I didn't get an opportunity in the NFL and, and get to stick around for a while, that's probably what I would have got into. At least that was the plan. Um, and, uh, you know, you, I, I always looked up to my father, still do, of course. Um, he was a baseball guy, coached football as well. Uh, but I, what I remember was he was always around. He was, he was in my life. He was at my games and he was at the dinner table. We got to spend a lot of time together. Uh, that was uh, a great takeaway for a kid, uh, you know, knowing what his dad did for a living. And it was, you know, I, I had a very good upbringing because he was around and his job uh, afforded him that. So um, I got to play for a while. And when I got done, I didn't have the intention of going into coaching high school football. I got asked to be a volunteer quarterback coach at Providence. I took the job because I was still throwing and still hoping to to get one more year. And uh uh, after that year, John, I, I, I got offered the Episcopal job. I took it. And with each passing year, I enjoy it more and more, uh, far more than I ever thought I would. Um, I mean, it's it's not the perfect gig. Of course, there is no gig that's, that's perfect, but uh, it's pretty close. I really enjoy it. And, uh, um, and I, we're in our eighth season now, and I'm having a really good time, John. Now, what have you found you liked about it? I mean, being around football is one thing. But my guess is you've probably found the relationships and being around the kids as satisfying as the actual football. Oh, there, there's no question. And uh, if you're coaching high school football for just the football, uh, you're in the wrong business. That's not what it's about. Um, it's it's really about these these young men and uh, developing them on the field, teaching them football, the fundamentals, all that. But more importantly, 
uh, teaching them and communicating to them really what the game, what the game of football uh, can do for them. Uh, John, when I was in high school, I, you know, I played quarterback. I loved the game. It was fun. I had some big games. But as I look back, my the, the biggest takeaway wasn't the wasn't the opportunity to play at the next level in college and then the pros. My biggest takeaway is I learned how to work hard. And I learned that if I wanted to be good, I had to work hard. I learned about how to be a leader, the importance of teamwork. Uh, how do you overcome adversity? Well, you know, and, and on the football field, you got to lock arms with your teammates and, and figure it out and fight through it together and just keep going. Well, that's the way life is, too. So. What we're trying to do at Episcopal is teach these life lessons uh, to these young men, and we're using the game of football as as the tool. So the relationships there with those with those guys are great. Um, and but not only my my uh, my players, but my coaching staff. I've got a, a yeah. core group of guys that have been there the whole time. These guys are my brothers. I love coaching with them. I love doing life with them. I appreciate them, respect them. Uh, some guys have been coaching for for almost 40 years. Some guys have been coaching for, for, uh, for about four months. So, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's almost the perfect gig. Right. What, um, and I hear a laugh when I ask you this, because when I covered you and even since you told me a million Tom Coughlin stories, you didn't necessarily get along with them all the time. There were times you bucked under under the influence, and he wasn't a perfect coach. Nobody's perfect, but I'm wondering if there are times that you hear yourself saying things that he said. Anything like that where you kind of say, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe that came out of my mouth." It's funny you say that. So just just yesterday, well, two days ago, we uh, uh, to answer your question, yes, two days ago we had a kid that was doing a drill. And uh, he had had some knee problems before, uh, last year, and so he did his knee again, and and uh, wasn't too bad. And and he had told us, you know, a couple of days ago that he was going to be fine. And and uh, it, it was funny. I, I I just I walked right by him uh, two days ago because he says, "Coach, I'll be back tomorrow." I said, "All right, well, <laughs> I guess we're going to find out how tough you are tomorrow." And there was no smile on my face. I thought. What have I become? What, I mean, right. just like something the coffee would say. So it even gets better. Yesterday we're at practice, and he's he's kind of limping around. And listen, he's a great kid. He's a tough kid. And uh, uh, so he's and, and I found myself, John, not wanting to say one word to him. I was mad at him the whole day for not practicing that day. And I thought <laughs> I have become Tom Coughlin. I am. I have. I mean, if I could find the kid. I absolutely would. <laughs> I mean, I say that kidding, but uh, um, listen, yeah, there, there's no question. I've had a lot of head coaches and I have found my, myself, you know, uh, using phrases or behaving in a manner as a coach that, you know, really I was, you know, I was exposed to it. And, and, and Coach Coughlin was was the, the coach that I had the, the longest and honestly, mm-hmm. the coach that I appreciate the most. Uh, he gave me my shot and was it easy to play for coach Coughlin? No, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for anyone, but I learned a lot of, a lot about football and, uh, I learned a lot about life. I learned a lot about, uh, uh, you know, how to, how to be a professional in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So I'm forever grateful to Tom Coughlin. And, uh, but I do find myself, uh, kind of coaching and saying things that, uh, that he used to say, which, Again, 
if that if that had come out of your mouth when I was covering you, I'd have laughed at you because no way, no way. Right. <laughs> Again, we'll get to current Jaguars with the next question. But um, one thing about Tom that struck me, and I think fans are always uh, fascinated to hear about Tom. Most players that I've talked to, even the ones that bucked against him the most, have always said later, I'd go back and play for him again because of the level of preparation. And looking back, you always knew you were going to be prepared to win the game that day. There was never going to be a stone left unturned. You know, it, as a quarterback, you played for a lot of coaches. You played for Gibbs. You played for some great ones. Uh, Sean, I assume you would agree with that statement, that the preparation level was off the charts. There's no question. And uh, and be, because I have played for other coaches, I will say that if, if you're a head coach in the NFL, uh, you better be pretty good at preparation. Um, <laughs> and uh, some some are better than others. And, uh, of course, that's my experience in, 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 in different ways. Um, but uh, Tom w w was uh, – he prepared his players, and th there's no question. He demanded that his coach prepare the players. And the, here's the strength of uh, the strengths of Tom in my in in my view. One, I've used the word already, and it's demanding. He demanded a lot of us. But listen, we're in the NFL. That's the way it should be. He demanded that we gave great great effort. He demanded that we handled ourselves and uh, like professionals. He demanded that we were on time, and uh, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when you're 24 or 25 and you've got the world by the tail and you just got out of college and you think, OK, I'm in the NFL, I'm free. I can, you know, I, you know, I, I've made it well. And then you then you get a chance to play for Coach Coffin. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. It's not how it's supposed to be. But for us, it was the best thing. We were a young team, John. You remember we weren't a very good team. We needed uh, we needed uh, that demanding. Um, um, way about Coach Coughlin. Sure. Here's the other thing, and I'll, I'll, he was consistent. Um, he was very consistent. You didn't, you know, you knew exactly what you're going to get every day, and that, and and that, in in ways, is is comforting. It's, hard. Uh, it, it's 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 the consistency is. Listen, I know what the expectations are. They're really high, but I know every day that Coach Coughlin is going to demand and expect a lot out of me. You know, I've been in some places where, you know, the head coach might be in a good mood and really laid back and, and, and just kind of taking it easy. And then the next day, they're just out of their mind, angry and, and ticked off and, and yelling at everywhere all over the place. That wasn't Tom. He was firm. Uh, most of the time he was he I, he was fair, demanding. Uh, and you always knew where you stood. So mm -hmm. while when you're in it, all of those things seem kind of hard to manage under and to a degree they are but for us and, and I can really speak for me it was the best place for a young quarterback to be not easy for not the easiest place for me but it was the best for me tell me about this Jaguars team I mean it's uh we could go into it because there's always a million things to talk about with any team but just overall impressions they're one and three uh obviously one and three in the NFL is not over it's a long season uh, just overall thoughts, if you will. Well, I think uh, I think where they're at right now is is at least where I expected them to be. What did Bill Parcells say? He says, "Listen, you are what you are." So if they're one and three right now, you know maybe they're a four and twelve team as it plays out. Still a lot of football, but um, 
And he, actually, I, I listened to uh, I listened to you on the radio a few days ago, and you used this Sorry word. About that. No, no, no. You used this word, and I thought it was it was. I, I laughed a little bit in my car. He, you said, "Hey, listen, you know, along the way, there are going to be some stinkers, you know." And I think that's what we can expect. We can expect some games just to be stinkers, right? The defense isn't very good right now. Gardner's, uh, you know, he's been two different quarterbacks the first two weeks and the last two weeks, in my opinion. There are some bright spots, but now there's we have some injuries. Um, you know, listen, I, I, I expect them to win four, four or five games mm-hmm. this year. I expect some of those, you know, those wins are going to be great and we're going to all be back on the bandwagon and, but more times than not, there's going to be some stinkers. And, um, you know, and that's I, that's kind of what I see from this team. Right. I hope I'm wrong. Listen, I hope they get six, seven wins. I hope they turn it on and, and maybe get to 500. I don't expect that to happen, John. But if I'm being honest, what you see on the field right now is a defense that is really struggling. And you see an offense that's, that's inconsistent and, uh, you know, with a few limitations at quarterback. So, so we'll see, John. You know, we'll see. Take me through Minshew, and uh, we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, there's obviously two things about him: every intangible you want, every competitive quarterback thing that you want, and he's going to maximize what he is. And then there's the reason he was drafted in the sixth round, which is he's six foot, and he does not have an incredibly powerful arm. Uh, the two things I mentioned last. Uh, are they coming up? Do you see them? And are they overcomable, if, if you will? Well, as far as the arm strength, um, you know, there have been plenty of guys that have went on to have successful careers that just didn't have a really, really strong arm. You know, uh, Joe John, John Montana was one of them. Sure. Um, just didn't have a, he just didn't have a John Elway rifle or Brett Favre cannon. He didn't, but he made it work. Uh, I, you do see that on tape a little bit. Um, but, uh, um, I think what you, what really, what really pops is really the, the, um, uh, just the, 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 the I'm not gonna say poise isn't the word cause he's not an, he's not an unpoised player, just a, a, an unpolished pocket passer. Yeah. Maybe a little unnerved, uh, a little too quick to get out of the pocket. Not every time, but enough where you think. You know, is he just uncomfortable in the pocket or can he not see what's going on down there? Are guys just not getting open in these? Um, so I think you see that. Um, and I could speak from experience, John. When I was a young player, man, I had a tough time in the pocket. I just did. Uh, 6'1", uh, didn't have a lot of college experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the offense that I cut my teeth on in Green Bay for the first tier, two years, it was a uh, three-step, five-step, ball is out real quick, you know, and, and – uh, progression-based offense where you just look at this receiver, this receiver, and this receiver. And typically one of those first three were, were, were open. Uh, so you're seeing some of that on film right now. And, uh, but I think here's two things about Gardner Minshew. One, I think Gardner Minshew can pay, play 15 years in the NFL. Now, will he be a franchise starter? Um, I don't know. But there's certainly a place for a guy coming off the bench who has those intangibles that you mentioned that can be a spark and go out there and just on, just on moxie alone, go win sure. a game for you. But he's going to be around for a long time. And I think the other thing too is, is that when you're a quarterback and you're still trying to figure it out and you realize you're probably going to have to score 35 points yeah. 
every Sunday and be near perfect every drive to win a game, that adds a lot of unnecessary pressure that no young quarterback should have to uh, endure. So as confident and as tough as he is, you know, that, that's, that, that could, that, that's a lot of weight on a, on a young quarterback. So that's really what I see with Gardner. As a, as a person, I lo- gosh, I, I love the kid. I'm rooting sure. for him. I'm cheering for him, as we all are that have been around him. But uh, uh, listen, we got 12 more games. Let's let it play out. And, and uh, right. I, I think by the end of the year, we're going to know if, if he's the guy. You obviously, goes without saying, you know a lot more about offensive football than I do. Uh, what do you like about Gruden? It seems like he is coming pretty close to maximizing what he's got on his side of the ball in most games so far. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've got a very, very good friend that worked with him uh, the last like, maybe four or five years and uh, who's, who's now in L.A. Uh, uh, with the Rams with Sean and uh, coordinator and was with Jay and said, and said uh, hey, he's a brilliant guy and uh, um, really smart, great play caller. Just a good offensive-minded coach, and and John, we're seeing that, right? I, I, we're seeing that our offense, for all its limitations, okay, uh, are averaging about twenty-four points a game. <clears throat> it's not what you want, but it's pretty good. It, it's not bad, you know. You try to get up to that t- north of that twenty-eight mark, but but uh, and they're doing some really good things. Gardner had, t- had at times has been efficient. Um, you know, he's, I think it's eight touchdowns, four interceptions, something like yes. that. Maybe it's, yeah. And uh, pretty good numbers, uh, high, per, you know, completion percentage. And that's very common in the NFL right now. But I think he understands what he has in Gardner. He understands what he can do and what he can't do. I think he has a very good um, eye for, you know, put, getting players in the right position and calling the appropriate play. Um I think he's working wonders with with uh, James Robinson. So, yeah. To answer your question. I, I absolutely love what I see. There's some creativity there. There's some there's some things that you don't expect to see. Um, but uh, you know, the thing is, is that this is a this is an offense that has to stay healthy. DJ Chark's out two weeks ago. You know, we couldn't really do anything. Right. He gets back in there, and they get a couple touchdowns. Brandon Linder, in my opinion, has a lot to do with the way Gardner has looked the last. You know, a couple of weeks. So, hey, I think yeah, it makes sense. I, I think Jay's doing. I think Jay's doing really well, and will continue to do so. Sort of a high-end NFL question, and I've been thinking about this more and more the last couple of weeks. It, it's, and I realize it's not going back to the way it was when I covered you, but you're seeing so much incredible quarterback play. Is a lot of that though because the rules have gotten so much to the point that you can't hit anybody these it it's so skewed toward quarterbacks and you know again i'm the crotchety old man who believes it was better when i was covering the nfl in the the 80s but it's a dramatically different game than the one you played isn't it on that front yeah it really is on on the rules front there's no question it's night and day it's night and day you know um and it certainly benefits the offense which isn't that what people want though i mean that's that's why they did it more points. I think it's the rules. I think it's it's really the um, the offenses that you you know what they were doing in college, the spread offense and and triple opt, all this you know all this run pass options. We're getting all these college kids that were just 
throwing up big time numbers. Well, now they're established, really good NFL players doing the same thing. And you look at the highest scoring teams right now, like the top 10 teams in the NFL in scoring, which are on record breaking pace, by the way, in the NFL. And you look at these guys and, or you look at these teams and, and all the quarter, not all the quarterbacks, because you got you got Brady in there and Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers, you know those kind of pocket passer guys for the most part. But a lot of these guys, you know, it's Dak and Patrick, and and uh, the list goes on. Russell, who's just been playing out of his mind, those guys with the ability to run it and throw it. How do you defend those guys? And how do you defend those guys if you didn't have an off season, uh, no OTAs or no mini camps, you didn't have training camp, no preseason games. And all of a sudden you're a defense and you've got to go against Russell Wilson and and uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar. You don't have a chance. So so for multiple reasons, a lot of lot, there's a lot of scoring going on. And I think too, we got some really bright, creative, innovative minds right now in the NFL calling plays on offense. So it's not just one thing. Um, it's players, it's plays, it's rules. Um but it's fun, though. It's sure fun to watch some of these guys. As you were talking, I was thinking, boy, if you'd been born 25 years later, <laughs> you're still yeah. a rookie. Uh, and, I mean, me and Prisco used to rip you all the time for leaving the pocket. Now we'd be praising you. Yeah, well, all of my, all of my runs were not designed, you know. Maybe there was a draw <laughs> every now and then. But these runs that guys are running, I mean, they're designed runs. But I was – I was – so stinking stubborn though i would have hurt myself because i i would have you know kept the ball more times than i should and would try to take on the likes of greg lloyd too often or something like that um but uh, i would have loved to have played in those offenses but i promise you if i was in one of those offenses my uh, my body wouldn't feel as good as it does right now i'm actually <laughs> doing pretty good i uh, it would uh, it'd be pretty ugly gotcha the we do one thing with this. It's uh, five quick questions. We call it the Ozone Five, and it can be quick answers. I'll, I'll run okay. that through you. Okay. Um, what's your last binge watch, Mark? Do you binge watch? Last binge watch uh, is uh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, it's quick. I, I, I actually have quite a few going on. Um, oh, you're that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. Well, I, well, I don't see like, like like six or seven going on. I just finished uh, season two of, of uh, what's it, The Boys? Okay. Yep, yep, I just finished that. The last song you listened to in your car? Oh, boy. You or know, Johnny, I'm 50, I'm 50 years old right now. That's a um, you know, in all, likely, in all likelihood, it was a George Strait song. Um, Good. A big George Strait fan, so... It was, I, I promise you, it was one of his older ones. George Strait, good enough. Still a baseball guy at all? And if so, World Series pick. Ever since I stopped playing it, I just stopped watching it. Um, so, listen, I, that's 32 years ago, so I'm not a fan. Okay. Your go-to coaching cliche, the one you cringe the most when you say it. Oh, gosh. Um, that's pretty good. Um Oh, uh, this is this. Uh, I don't cringe, but uh, um, so so at Episcopal, we we uh, we, we need we, we need help on blocking and tackling. Other than that, we're great. Okay, <laughs> sure. 
And so my my I don't really cringe, but I find myself saying it, especially on special teams. Hey, find work, find some work, because we've got okay. we've got a lot of guys out there that they know they're supposed to block, but they're 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 not real thrilled about going to block anybody, or kind of sometimes trying to avoid blocking or attacking. So I said, listen, listen, when you're you know when you're supposed to block, go find some work, go find somebody to block, go find somebody to hit. Um, I don't know which coach I got that from. So, but. Uh, um, yeah, my players could certainly give you a few that, that they're tired of hearing, but, but uh, that's one that I always go to that I always catch myself saying, you know, you've, I, it's not a bad one, but, but uh, you know, you got to go find some work. Final one, uh, and I sort of save this for former players. If I asked you to give me one series, could you still do it? One series? Absolutely. There's no question. Now, is that a, is that a three and out? Or is that a 12-play drive and score? Because, you know, it depends on both how you are series. Play. So what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> if you can keep me out of uh, uh, third and seven, you know, seven plus, I might have a chance. But anything anything over that could be problematic. I didn't ask Keenan that, Mark, but uh, had I asked Keenan, he said he could give me the whole season. Oh, there's no question. There's, and, <laughs> and you know what? He, he might be right. Keenan, I would believe. Nobody else, of course. That, that Keenan's amazing. I'll close it out. Uh, seems like you're in a good place, buddy. I, I am. I'm uh, uh, still loving Jacksonville. You know, a lot of my teammates are still around here, John. Uh, good friends. I love, I, love, uh, I love coaching at Episcopal. My family's doing well, my wife and children. So uh, things, have, things are going well. Things are going well. I still well. remember the first day I saw you walk into uh, what's now TIA Bank Field. There's a whole, whole bunch of media guys sitting around. You kind of walk through and introduce yourself. Did you ever dream back in 95 that you'd be around 25 years later in this town? It's crazy. Isn't I it? actually, actually, I, you know what? Maybe not in 95, John, but in, in 96 and 97, I think my wife would tell you the same thing. You know, we, we felt, we, we felt like this was becoming a home. We felt a connection here and it was for multiple reasons, but, but, uh, um, yeah, I, you know, we, we, we were here for nine years. We couldn't wait to get back. And we were when we were gone, we still had one foot here in Jacksonville. So this is home for us. There's there's no question. And we love it as much today as we did. And, you know, when we were uh, just starting out here in Jacksonville. I know the town feels the same way. Mark, I know you got to run. I appreciate you doing this. Always great catching up with you. And I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Ozone. I appreciate it. Take care. I don't want to thank Mark for joining us. Uh, it's always good to catch up with Mark, as I joked about at the very beginning of the uh, podcast. It's always funny to me, Dave, when I talk sort of casually to Mark now, what, 20, 25 years after I covered him. He was not the easiest guy to cover. I don't think many quarterbacks are because there's a different dynamic media quarterback relationship. But Mark was, by his own admission, tight, didn't love doing interviews. Uh, a little bit guarded. We would stand around his locker, and as you know, Dave, there's a locker room dynamic, and it was a lot of one-word answers and, you know, some, uh, I don't say contentious because he was never a bad guy, but he, he really didn't love the interaction. And since getting to know him since I've been back in Jacksonville, I uh, consider him a friend, enjoy spending time with him, find him very insightful, and uh, I thought he was good today when we talked to him, and I uh, for I'm sure for you, a young Jaguars fan growing up and uh, rooting for the Jags, 
it's still got to be neat to listen and talk to Mark Brunel. Oh, heck yeah, it is. I, uh, I was a huge Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel was my guy. Him and Jimmy Smith were my two guys. And uh, I, had a, I had a Mark Brunel poster on my wall. It said, on the mark. I remember him <laughs> with a cool pose. I, uh, I also had, was, this is kind of funny. You might not remember this, but him and Kerry Collins had some kind of shoe deal where there was like a shoe they endorsed. Yeah. And like the Mark, the Mark Brunel one was teal and the Kerry Collins one was like Carolina blue, like for the Panthers. And, uh, and I had the Mark Brunel shoes for a little while um, because, because he was in the commercial. So that was cool. But yeah, no, I was a huge Mark Brunel fan. And what was kind of funny is, so when I came back here, probably a few years after I, I, I came back to Jacksonville and started working at the TV station in town, uh, Mark became the analyst on the preseason broadcast. And he never did TV at that point. So um, our, my boss or news director at the time suggested Mark come in and practice in the TV studio doing some like, you know, watching a game mm-hmm. on TV and doing analysis. And I was assigned to help him out. Um, so we kind of did like, like twice a week for like two or three weeks before the season started, he, he would come in and watch. And he was like really into it, trying to get better and trying to, uh, learn how to do it. And, um, but it was just cool. Cause you know, this is like, you know, my favorite athlete sure. growing up and I'm sitting here working with him and trying to help him out, which was a little weird and at the time. I'm like 26 years old. It was just, it was very surreal for me. And, uh, but he was always super nice and cordial. And what's funny about it is like a year later, two years later, he starts working on ESPN and is, you know, an analyst on like NFL live, which, which I was, which I used to always joke with him. Like I got him to start in TV. So we did a nice job on that. He was good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one more story about that. I remember he was in our office one time and somehow it's, it was in the sports office and we were all talking and it got back to him. Like, I guess, I think it was Brent Martineau or someone else I work with started talking about like how much I was a Mark Brunel fan growing up. He was like, really? I was like, yeah, no. And, and someone goes, which I, this is true. I, I had a Mark Brunel jersey in my desk since he started coming around. I had it in there for like two and a half years. <laughs> and he would come all the time. And I was just never wanted to ask him because I was embarrassed and all this kind of stuff. And someone say, hey, he's got a jersey in his desk for you to sign. He's like, really? I was like, yeah, I brought it out. He signed it. It was great. And he – he grabbed my face and like gave me a big kiss on the on the cheek. It was just fun. <laughs> it was funny. It was a great story. And then since then, it's just like we're always joking around and stuff. And he's a good guy with me, and I always appreciate Mark. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I was kind of joking, but with his style, early on. Now he got hurt and what is it? And and I wasn't as mobile after about '98. But he would have been a prototype these days. He would have, you know. I'm not kidding when I say me and Prisco, we were covering uh, the uh, Jaguars for the paper, would constantly criticize him for leaving the pocket too early because he just didn't do that back then. Now if he played, it would be, you know, I think his transition, some of the criticism he took at times would be, you know, far less because his his style would fit right in. And, uh, you know, so I thought it was also interesting some of the things he said about Minshew. You know, I think he's I think he's dead on. I think Gardner's got some growth there, and I think people who listen to that will get a pretty good idea of sort of where Gardner needs to improve and 
why he's not ordained or anointed as the absolute franchise guy yet. So some good insight there from Mark. Yeah, you know, with Mark too, it's just I remember that, especially that second half of that 96 season, it was just the way he played was just so exciting, yeah. you know, just to watch just how he'd break the pocket, the runs and, and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't play most of his career like that, but I think the most – the average Jaguar fan is – that's how you would describe him, you know, as this mobile, right. mobile quarterback, you know, when he didn't really play like that for mo- most, most of his career. It clicked for him in the second half of 96. And he had, he had played at that point about 20-ish games as a starter. He got it where he was seeing it. He knew exactly when to run. He was still great at running. Then he hurt his knee early the following year and really stayed in the pocket a lot more after that. So he was a different player. I always credit him. He was not great when he came to Jacksonville in the pocket. He got a lot better after he got hurt. 97, 98, 99, 2000. Was a very, very, very good NFL quarterback, changing his natural style. So, as always, fascinating to have him on. I thought he uh, I thought he got into things that were very interesting in terms of the Jaguars, their season, and his career. We'll close it with that. We'll close it, as always, by me thanking Dave DeCandis and thanking Joe Fortunato for making me sound much better than I actually am. I know this one didn't suck. Mark Brunel was a great guest. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to everybody next week.